Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Kevin Daggett and Lee Vowell. The 12th Man Rising Podcast. I'm Lee, and with me is the star of the show, Kevin. Kevin, how are you? Doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing all right. Did you enjoy that game on that? I I say this because we were together watching the game, but the other people don't know that. (laughs) Did you enjoy the game on the... on on Sunday, almost on Saturday for no reason. On Sunday, that was an enjoyable game. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was it to me. It it felt it felt good because it wasn't like last year when they started off and they were five and zero and offense was just balling out. The defense was terrible. This felt like a complete game. I mean, I think the offense struggled a little bit in the second half, but the defense played well throughout the game. So. It felt better than a lot of the well, it felt better than all of the early wins last year to me. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, and it's especially since we had really no idea what we were gonna see. I mean, we didn't really see anybody in the preseason, so it was all kind of a well, I hope this goes well. I mean, they've been practicing, I imagine, but um but yeah, it was it, it did they they played as a team and you know, everybody seemed to be you know, doing well. It just there wasn't any major hiccups. Um, it just seemed to be a really good first game of the season. I mean, and, you know, and the Colts aren't. You know, I was listening to the pregame stuff on the some of the shows, and they were, you know, those guys picking the Colts and saying, "Oh, it's a new start for Carson Wentz and Frank Reich and blah 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 and this and that." And I'm like, "Oh, geez, maybe uh, maybe I'm underestimating these guys." But I mean, we handled ourselves pretty well. Yeah, I mean, Wentz hasn't beaten the Seahawks, and he didn't look. It was funny we were talking about this during the game, but he didn't look bad. Um, yeah. He maybe he was missing T. Y. Hilton, but I don't think Hilton would have made that big of a difference, to be honest. He's a good player, but the defense just seemed they got they only got three sacks, but they got consistent pressure. Um, you know, they had after that first drive, which was like. Eh, but it's the first drive of the season, so you never know how the rest of it's going to go. But after that first drive, the defense settled in, played really well, didn't have to rush Jamal Adams too much, basically just played that four-man front and kind of get after Wentz. And even though they, they didn't, they only got three sacks only, I guess. But um, they got 10 quarterback hits, and they were off in the defensive line because Daryl Taylor got his quarterback hits when he was playing on the line. He wasn't playing the linebacker at that time. I mean – this defense is not the 2013 Seahawks, but, um, you know, that year and the 2014 year when the Seahawks defense were really, was really good. One thing they did do is they, as you know, they rushed four and could play the rest of the defense that, that this defense yesterday or Sunday looked a lot better than last year overall, even at the end of the year. And it reminded me more of the really good Seattle defenses of the early 2010s because, 
yeah, and we saw it during the game. The linebackers could play what they needed to play, and safeties and the corners could play what they needed to play. If they play like this all year long, I mean, they're looking at they should make the postseason. And once they're, if the defense continues to play as well as it did or get better, this could be a, a team that makes a, a deep postseason run. What do you think? Yeah, and we didn't even we didn't hear much from the big names. I mean, we didn't hear. Uh, you know, Dunlop's name that much. Um, well, Wagner, of course, we always hear Wagner's, but, you know, we didn't hear from that. We heard from who's this number 94 guy. I mean, he's, he seems pretty good. Rasheem Green, Taylor played well. Um, what, speaking of Taylor's, Jonathan Taylor, well, he had 56 yards or something. I mean, shut him down. And, yeah. and I, you know, like we talked about it, that first drive, I'm like, man, we're, that defensive line is not getting any penetration. But like you said, then they settled in and started getting some and, and uh, you know, doing what they were supposed to do. But might have been just first first quarter jittle, jitters, but they, they got it together. Yeah, and I think a lot of Jonathan Taylor's yards were on that first drive. He didn't do a whole lot after that. And then, of course, the Colts were in a position where they had to throw more, and that allowed the Seattle pass rush to put more heat on Wentz. And again, Wentz, it, the issue wasn't Wentz. I mean, he did fine. He made some throws that were like, eh, but he was under pressure a lot. So it was just, I thought the defense kind of dictated what the Colts were going to do, and that's that's a really good thing to see. It's kind of, that's what we saw in the early 2010s. Again, this defense to me is not as good as the 2010s defense, but it's maybe the best they've had in a few years, and that might be good enough. You brought up Rasheem Green. Um, I, pro football focus, I always like to look at their their grades just because it's like they can be all over the map they have him listed as like an interior defensive guy as the 34th highest graded interior defensive guy of the week and it's like i mean i don't know what they base their grades on i I know a lot of uh, pff used to be a a big deal and i guess they still are to some degree but i think a lot of people have started seeing you know maybe it's not really that thing because anybody who watched that game with the eye um, and then graded it. Rasheem Green was everywhere. I mean, he's in coverage. Maybe he shouldn't have been, but he was so active. He he looked like the best defensive lineman the Seattle had in that game. Yeah, there wasn't one guy on every other team that was better than him. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no way if you're 34th. And they also they graded. I saw something somebody tweeted out. They graded. Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis really crappy too. Yeah. And like 38. I mean, just horrible. I'm like, well, I, I mean, I thought the offensive line did better than they usually do. I mean, they held their own for the most part. Posick maybe got pushed around, but I mean, you know, the, I don't, Russell seemed to have enough time. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, he got, I mean, he got sacked four times. One of those was not really a sack because he was just kind of rolling out and couldn't find an open receiver and took a one or two yard loss. It's a sack, I guess, statistically speaking, but it's not really a sack. And then the other ones were more like, you know, well, that one, that one long pass to Tyler Lockett in the first half, 69 yard touchdown pass. That was, they blitz, the Colts blitz and Seahawks picked it up and Actually, Russell had plenty of time to throw the ball. I mean, they scored 28 points. A lot of that was the Colts kind of had the had a, kind of control of the clock in the first half, um, especially. And so, but 28 points, I felt like they 
they could have gotten 35. They could have done more. They kind of, the third quarter was kind of rough. I thought Russell, we, we kind of saw it, but made a couple of weird throws. And I don't know if Metcalf ran a wrong route on that one where he just kind of threw it into the dirt. But Russell, Russell Wilson wasn't bad in the third quarter. He just didn't have a great third quarter. They do need to be more consistent in the second halves of games compared to what they were in week one. But, I mean, they got up to such, what was it, 21 to 10 at halftime. I mean, they had control of the game. After, once they got the lead, to me, I don't know how you felt, it felt like the game was never really in doubt to me. Was it to you? Uh, I think I said when it was 21-10, I was like, we 21's not going to do it. I, I just... I didn't think 21 was going to do it. Not that it was in doubt, but, you know, we needed another. You know, and those, you mentioned 28 points. Those were throw all four throwing TDs. So, I mean, mm-hmm. offense must have done something well. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I wasn't comfortable at 21 for sure. Um, but I knew they could score some more. And it just, I, I was thinking 35 might have been a good, a good number, but, um, I just I thought that Wentz would have done more. I, mean, I really thought that their offense would have done more, but like I said, the defense pretty much shut them down. That was good to see. Yeah, I mean the Colts have they were missing a left tackle who had never played for them, even though he's supposed to be pretty good, Eric Fisher, and he has been good in his career. I don't mean to poo-poo him, but the rest of their offensive line was pretty much intact, and they have a really good offensive line. But I thought Seattle was able, once they settled in, especially interior defensive line, were able to stop the run for the most part up the middle. I mean, they got consistent pressure. Daryl Taylor looked really good. Rasheem Green, um, you know, like you said, the the big names you didn't really have to hear from. And it wasn't that the, we we didn't like they, they didn't step up. They just didn't need to. Jamal Adams didn't need to pressure or blitz the quarterback so much. I mean, he'll get his time the season and get several sacks. I don't think he's going to get 12 because I don't think the Seahawks need him to get 12. I think they're what they've done on the defensive line. If everybody stays healthy um, is, is really good because the Jordan Brooks, I thought was really solid. 11 combined tackles, Bobby Wagner, who got graded by PFF is like number 29 or something. I don't know. It's PFF was combined 13 tackles. Um, Taylor played linebacker, but also edge rusher, and he got tons of pressure. He actually got graded pretty well um, per PFF. But, you know, the only hiccups I could really remember are that weird Michael Dixon punt. He still got it off. That was kind of weird. You mentioned Ethan Posick, and he, he doesn't need to be playing. I mean, Kyle Fuller outplayed him a ton and needs to be the starter. And then, of course, we have some injuries, and we'll get into that in just a second. But... Um, any drawbacks to the game that you saw? Um, Rashad Penny doesn't need to be. Uh, he, something needs to be done with him. I, I don't. I don't know about that guy. You know, and I. Hey, my 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 guy Trey Flowers. You know, he didn't do horrible. I mean, you know, it was a couple passes completed to his guy, but he had good coverage on him. I thought the guy played. Yeah. You know, I played good coverage all night. It wasn't. Every time there was third down, I'm like, oh, here we go. Going to go to his side. But, I mean, he he held his own. Um, I don't I don't know if there was any real, you know, the four sacks is always concerning. But that's our offensive line again. We, you know, that's I think that's going to be an issue again this year. Um, hopefully everybody can stay healthy so it's a minimal issue. But, 
you know, the draw, the draw, <laughs> I guess the drawback that I saw is every team in the NFC West kicked the other team's butt. And yeah. that's a drawback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a problem. That's a good point because, like, you know, we already knew it was going to be a tough division going in. But, yeah, it was just like, I mean, the Col- the Cardinals wiped out the Titans, who Seahawks play this week. And then the Lions-49ers game was a little weird because it really wasn't that close. The Lions kind of somehow made it close closer than it really was at the end. And then the Rams won easily. And, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough division once the division play starts really getting underway. Um, you know, th- these – the reason the NFC West teams don't make the playoffs is not this year. My assumption is not who else they're playing. It's who they play intra-division because those teams are going to keep each other out. If anybody misses the playoffs, heck, every team can make the playoffs. They're all good enough. I mean, Chandler Jones had what five sacks. Kyler Murray looked pretty good. The Titans aren't a bad team, but they looked bad against the Cardinals. Um, and before we, before we get a little bit more into that, you mentioned – Penny, I guess he had a calf injury during the week, which I didn't really keep up with, and it tightened up. But this guy's made a glass. Same thing with Ethan Posick. I mean, neither one of them can be counted on. If I were heading into week two, assuming that Penny is able to play, and I don't think he is, but assuming if he was able to play, I'm activating Collins, Alex Collins, and I'm I'm putting Penny on the on the list of seven players that aren't activated for the game. You can't count on the guy. No, not at all. And and now we like we talked before the game, I guess you have to put somebody on the bench this week and Collins got the number. And you know, maybe because hey, let's see what Penny can do. But I, I I don't he's um he's not the guy. He is not the backup. I mean put DJ Dallas in there before you put him in there. But Yeah. Because at some point Carson's going to miss games, right? I mean, he, he at yeah. least he has every season. He'll miss two or three games. He looked very good, and he is a very good running back. And I hope he plays all sixteen or seventeen games. Got to get used to saying seventeen. But it's um, you know, he's probably going to miss two or three games and at some point. His backup, whoever it is, has to step up. But if it's Penny, I don't see how they can even count on him. The other two injuries were Penny Hart and and uh, D Eskridge had concussions. Hart is, you know, I don't want him to get hurt, but Eskridge is the more important player. Just in flashes, he looked like long-term, he might be a pretty good option for them at receiver. What do you think? He is fast. I mean, it, it, that play they run with him, you know, where he hands it off real quick and he runs around, <clears throat> seems to be a pretty effective play. It was effective in the – they ran it one or twice, one or two times in the preseason, but that guy's just fast, and that – I mean, that, I didn't, didn't look like that rough of a hit, but he sure it, it gave him the old, uh, you know, stiff stiff arms when it hit him. I think, but I don't know. I hope I do. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be a he'll be a good uh, number three receiver. Yeah, and they um, I guess losing Hart and Eskridge if they're both out in week two, then you have to have another receiver step up. I mean, Freddie Swain's okay, um, but the tight ends. Disley and Everett, as promised, you know, they, the Seahawks under Shane Waldron's offense, the tight ends are a lot more important. They both look good. I mean, obviously Disley had the huge stiff arm, which, you know, we can all look back and laugh, but Everett looks like a receiver out there, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, they did well. And I, I like utilizing those, those, um, 
those tight ends because those guys are both real good. And you know, if they, hopefully Disley can stay healthy and and um, but yeah, that's those are going to be nice options. Yep. So um, yeah, the NFC West you mentioned. I mean that there were some weird things, and you never can take a whole lot from Week One because the season's very long, seventeen games obviously at this point, but the Packers getting blown out by the Saints. So the Saints look legit. Who knows if, if Winston can keep that up every week, but the NFC West, I mean, every team looked good. There's not going to be an easy game in the NFC West, but you know, the Seahawks always seemed to even two years ago when the 49ers were clearly, clearly had the best roster. The Seahawks still had a chance to win the division. It's going to be tough, but it's, you know, what's not tough is manscaped. Because it'll make your life easier. It does. Makes it cleaner, too. And Manscaped this year has a performance package 4.0. And let's see. Compliment your summer bod. Trim from the leader in male grooming. The sun's still shining. It's almost done shining, but it's still shining. And calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Get ready for hot guy summer. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. It's time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package, you'll find your lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes a lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer's insane, and dare I say, the goat of ball trimmers. Yep, I said it. Their fourth-generation trimmer receives a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shave. I mentioned this trimmer is waterproof too. In the shower or in the wild, and from the chest to the pubes, all the way down to your ball fro, the man the lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The weed whacker is also waterproof. It uses a 9,000 RPM motor. Powered 360-degree rotary dual blade system, the nose and hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with the Manscaped liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use crop preserver, ball deodorant to keep on your game in the heat. Then after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat, give your beach balls a boost and use crop reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with Fansided20 at Manscaped.com. At 20% off and free shipping with the code Fansided20 at Manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. So the Seahawks get the uh, Titans at home first home game with fans and uh, over a year because no fans were allowed in the stadium last year. So um, 12s get to voice vocally voice their opinion um, 
in week two. So hopefully that'll go just as well. I'm pretty psyched about that. They play the Titans, which lost to the Cardinals 38 to 13. Again, you can't take a whole lot out of week uh, one because everything changes from week to week anyway. In the NFL, if you have a decent team, the Titans have a decent team. I mean, they're probably still the one of the two best teams in the AFC um, South, which is weird to say because Houston, the Houston Texans won for no reason and uh, actually won pretty easily, and they're in first place. But we know in week seven by week seventeen that that's not going to be the case. So the the Titans' offensive line didn't look good. Um, I guess their offensive coordinator didn't call a good game. Um, clearly, Kyle Murray Murray had a good game. That here's the things that kind of worry me. So Chandler Jones is it's kind of a freak anyway. Um, the Seahawks don't have a player the caliber of Chandler Jones. They have good players, but they don't have one Chandler Jones because I don't know if how many teams would anyway. So Chandler Jones had five sacks against the Titans, almost single-handedly disrupting what the Titans wanted to do. So my concerns going into this game is, first of all, it's a bounce-back game for the Titans because they want to show that they're better. And they still have Derrick Henry, who only had like 58 yards. But NFL, good NFL teams can correct things from week to week. So my concern kind of goes back to the early part of the Seahawks-Colts game, which is when the Colts were kind of running up the middle. The Titans are better running and more creative running than the Colts are. I can see this game, you know, as far as fear going, the Titans controlling the clock by running the running it, causing a lower scoring game than either team really had in the first week of the season and pulling out just enough to win at the last. So you have any um, big fears going into week two? Yeah, a couple of things you mentioned is it's a bounce back game for the Titans and they are one of the best. I mean, they're they're a good team and they, Derek Hendry is a, is a monster and <laughs> you're not going to hold that guy down for long. Um, you know, I just – and, again, it's – Taylor had that – that first series was pretty good, and they shut him down after that. I don't know if they're going to be able to shut down Derrick Henry two weeks in a row or keep him shut down two weeks in a row. Um, you know, their defense is good. I don't know. <laughs> that Taylor Lewan, the one of the offensive linemen, he was ripping himself on Twitter. It was hilarious, just, just beating himself up one side and down the other. So I can imagine he's going to come out fighting – and, you know, that offensive line is not going to want to give up five sacks. I'll guarantee you they're, you know, they are pissed off about that. Um, so our D line is going to have to get penetration. Um, the linebackers are going to have to step it up like they did. I, I, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, I hope the Seahawks aren't overconfident. You know, there's a lot of patting yourself on the back. Yeah, you know, Shane Waldron and blah, 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 and, and – you know, I told you guys this is what we were going to do and this and that. I just I just hope they're not overconfident um, with, that, with that win to the Colts and they got the Titans coming in and the Titans come in pissed off and just and tear them up. I, I think the Seahawks will win. Um, it's, I just don't – it's going to be a close game. And it may, like you said, it may come down to the end and go either way. Yeah, I, I mean, the Titans offensive line gave up those sacks, obviously, and nine quarterback hits. But a lot of the reason for that is because the, the Cardinals were able to stop the running game of the Titans. 
and kind of forced Ryan Tannehill to throw it. He's, he's not a terrible quarterback, but when you force a team kind of like the Colts, when they were forced to throw, the Seahawks were able to get pressure. But in that second and third quarter for the Seahawks, even though the Colts weren't scoring, we saw that the Seahawks weren't really getting pressure at all. They were just kind of there. So my fear is that, you know, if the Titans can control the ball running, which they can with Derrick Henry, and, and they come out motivated, that could cause for a kind of a, a lack of a way, a short, long game. Because if you're running the ball a lot, you're eating a lot of the clock, so the game gets shortened. But it might feel long to Seahawks fans because it's like we want the ball back. So I think we were we both went to that Titans game, right? Um, was it yeah. four years ago or whatever? That yeah. was that's not going to happen because the the teams are different. But it, the Seahawks got ran all over that day. I mean the the team that could still happen in week two. So the Seahawks are going to have to come out and stop the run. And Derrick Henry's really good at running the ball. The offensive line is good at the Titans' offensive line is good at blocking the run. So I, I do have concerns. I, I'm not really worried about the height of the of the uh, Titans receivers. I know that was part of it. Like Julio Jones are all tall, but Trey, Trey Flowers, kind of you kind of mentioned it. The only time we ever really heard his name was when he gave up that touchdown pass at the, near the very end of the game, and it was kind of garbage time. So it was what it was. Overall, he played well. If he plays well again in week two, I mean that's gonna diminish whatever the tall receivers and he's the tallest cornerback that the Seahawks have. I'm not really worried about that. I do think I'll say this. So KJ Wright was a great Seahawk, but I think Jordan Brooks being on this team makes the team a better run stopping team because he's faster than Wright. He's, he's just, he's more like Bobby Wagner. He's not going to miss any tackles. So I think in that, my biggest hope, I guess, going into the Titans game is that, we see more of what Shane Waldron wants to do because the team has another week under its belt against live action against opponents wearing a different jersey on defense. But I, one of my biggest hopes is Jordan Brooks and the young guys like Daryl Taylor. But Jordan Brooks, I think he's going to have a huge game in week two because I think he's really going to establish himself as a future pro bowler because he's so fast. He's going to be he's going to get a ton of tackles as well as Bobby Wagner. So my two hopes going into week two are. You know, Shane Waldron, the offense being even a little bit more versatile. And I think that the offense or sorry, the defense will stop the run with uh, Jordan Brooks being a main component of that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned tackling and you know, the Seahawks back in like that 2000, that 13, 14, those years, there were not many missed tackles. I mean, it was that Seahawks could tackle people. And then they got after a few years, they went through, you know, they were doing these arm tackles like everybody does and trying to smack the ball and get a fumble. But Sunday they seemed to be more focused on tackling and there didn't seem to be a lot of yards, you know, after once that contact, maybe somebody caught the ball, but they tackled and they were right on them. So that's encouraging. Um, it just, it just wears me out when these guys try to smack the ball and miss the tackle and give up to, Oh, just, <laughs> irritates me just tackle i mean basic tackling yep yeah agreed i i think that's a, a great point yeah they did ta- they tackled better and instead of just trying in previous seasons where they're like trying to strip the ball because they were really good at it you know when they had game chancellor and other people and and they're not they don't have those same really kind of players i mean jamal Adams is a great player but quandry jigs was flying around on week one, but 
He's not Earl Thomas. They just don't have the same kind of players, but they are, they're better this year, I think. So yeah, they need to just stay disciplined and, and, and try to make the tackle. Henry's a big boy. So, you know, he's, he's, if you miss a tackle on him, he can take it to the house. Obviously he's special running back. So that's basically our, our show. You have any predictions for uh, Sunday's game? I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be in the low, the low, late, uh, late teens, <laughs> high teens, low twenties. Um, I think the Hawks will win by a couple, but, it's. I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. It's going to be a defensive battle. Um, I hope not, but uh, I think that's what's going to be. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think the Seahawks win maybe 24-21 because I still think they're the better team overall, and they're at home, and they're going to be psyched for all their 12s out there. So, um, But anyway, that's our show. Thanks for listening. As always, Kevin has the final two words. Go Hawks. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.